Hey now, it is another episode of the Coffee Schmooze. Um, very exciting news, I won the lottery. I got a winning lottery ticket. And this is because I don't usually play the lottery. But I was given a lottery ticket by the state of New York City. Because I got vaccinated yesterday. I got my first vaccination. And uh, at the end of the whole experience when you're walking out, there's some representatives from the New York Lottery passing out tickets. So as I got out of the big convention center, the Javits Center, I scratched off my ticket. Scratchy, scratchy, scratchy. Used my key. And uh, I got one. There's, you know, there's the top bar with the numbers and the bottom bar with the numbers. And the bottom bar has to match the top bar. And I got two eights. Two eights. Eight from my favorite basketball player, Kobe Breen Bryant. May he rest in peace. And so I won $50. I won a lottery ticket for $50. So, I got a vaccine and plus $50, you know. $50 is a lot of money. $50 is a lot of money. You can um, you can go have an amazing lunch for $50. You can get yourself a cheeseburger, a Caesar salad, and a nice cocktail at a nice restaurant for 50 bucks at lunch. So, that's... So that's what I got. But it's interesting. You have to you you have to go to a lottery claim center or you can mail it in. And I'm always like, what if it gets lost in the mail? What if the lottery people are like, hey, we just didn't receive it? And then they don't have to pay you. But for fifty dollars I I thought I'd just take a chance. And so I did that. And I looked on the back of these the these ones, it's the um it's the Super Lotto. 5 million, 20 bucks a lottery ticket, but you have 1 in 3.3 chance of winning something. Of winning something. So, those aren't bad. I mean, it did feel good. I mean, I can see why it's addicting playing the lottery because the it's the anticipation and release. It's the anticipation, and then the release of knowing or not knowing that, that create, that it's tension and release is what creates, creates high. The same thing happens with doing comedy. I love comedy. I try to do it daily. And it is very much. You, a lot of people who have addiction issues become comedians and are comedians. Addictive personalities. And part of it, for some reason, I don't know how this connects, but for some reason, like, com- comedy's hard work. It is painful. You have to sit and listen to a lot of bad comedy, and you have to be a lot of be around a lot of trauma. People whose traumas are just shooting off them. 
the trauma is just shooting off them like a like a sprinkler you know and you know people people put energy into the microphone and a lot of the energy is negative and angry and hateful and you know it's it's tough it's tough you have to sit for hours waiting for your turn in these dark rooms and it's not like you get to hear great comedy you're hearing bad comedy or um unpolished comedy and then there's a few people who are starting to get somewhere and you know but it's rough and so you have to be able to sit and sustain that and then when you go on stage that's the reward that is it is so much fucking fun that's the it's the tension and release but that's the release so the waiting's the tension then you go on stage it's the release and then if you're making people laugh if you have a connection with the audience and you're in rhythm and you're you're popping then afterwards it's just the greatest high and you just lie down on your bed and you just are in this you're just on a cloud it's just floating it's it's a spectacular experience and all these different pockets and portals in your body kind of open up and release it's fabulous it's so much fun and then you do it all over again cuz cuz you get better at the you get better at the craft and then you're learning a craft and you just there's it's like an infinite art form you can you can study it till uh the day you put your head to rest so that's why it's like a drug though it's tension and release tension and release surfing's that way there's a lot of tension in getting to the wave and being in the wave and then when you're on the wave it's the release tension and release so that's why things are addicting i think in my I haven't studied addiction. I think it would be helpful to learn about it because I do get addicted to things. But um, there's only so much time in the day, you know. I'm I'm feeling worn thin, you know, like too much butter, too little butter. I'm feeling, this is what Gandalf says in Lord of the Rings, I'm feeling worn thin, like too little butter spread over too much bread. But we'll continue. Getting the vaccine was interesting. It was a very interesting experience. It was um, in this giant convention center called the Javits Center. And you walk in and you go to all these different tables and you have to give them your ID and your insurance. You have to show them your ticket. And then you walk through these aisles like movie theater, you know, when you wait for a movie theater, the ticket, the the roped aisles. You walk through these long roped aisles and they have these yellow arrows. You go to these different tables to give people your different information. And then meanwhile, there's all these people uh, in army uniforms there. Like the army is there. The army is administrating this vaccine rollout. And they don't, you know, they don't even have ammunition and guns on them. They're just, it's just the army. And I, I kind of was like, why is the army doing this? Why is this the army's job? 
I don't know. But I, I did get a little turned on by the army. A man or a woman in uniform really just gets the blood rushing to my groin. I can't help it. And I was like, why? I was like, this is so sexual. It felt very sexual, the whole thing. Getting the vaccine with the army there in their in their uniforms. I was like, this is this is very sexual. I couldn't explain why. It's the uniform. It all felt very dystopian. You know, these the, the big auditorium, all the different tables, you kind of just moving through like you're a rat in a maze. It all felt very dystopian. But, you know, dystopian movies are based off reality. So they're they're basing their ideas of like the big government and everything off our reality. So it's not necessarily dystopian just because it looks like what it looks like in the movies. Because the movies are based off of it, you know. But it did feel dystopian. I had a similar feeling when I was... Uh, taking the california bar exam they pull the same shit you're in one of these big auditoriums you you go through and you sit down in these rows and it's just like thousands of people taking the same test it's all very government it felt very government you know just efficiency it's all you know it's just efficiency program big government so that's what's happening the weather the weather's warm now. The weather's warm. So it's a change. It's a change in the seasons. Now everyone's going to be complaining about the heat. It's um it's an uncomfortable place to live, New York City. It is it is it's uncomfortable. You have to like to feel something to live here. You have to constantly be liking to feel the feeling it's about feeling that's what it is because maybe you know maybe everyone here is all numb so they need to feel. i don't know i don't want to go down that road i don't want to go down the therapy road it's not it's it's not productive so yes this is this is what this is what there is to discuss this is what there is to discuss So I've been doing this thing over the quarantine during the pandemic. I was doing this thing where I was, I was, you know, during the thing, it was the pandemic, you know, so comedy stopped, everything stopped is for a year by yourself. So I started, I started really writing, writing this book, you know, and I just wake up every day and for two hours, I try my best. I just flow, just write flows. Cause I was like, I just got to get it out. And it was like different sections. And it's like, 
it's fiction, but it's also partly autobiographical, you know, representing experiences of my life. And I finish like the big section, like the, the main, the main part, you know, the main part. And then once I finished it, I looked at the word count and you need like 90,000 words. They say, they say you need to have 90,000 words um, to write to finish a novel and my word count is 47,000 and I'm just like fuck fuck this shit fuck this fuck this shit it's so it was it's so discouraging it's just it's just brutal it's just I'm like more I have to do that much. I lit. I have to do. I have to do this again to meet to meet the proper word count. I literally. I li- like literally everything I've done. I need to. I need to do it again. I need to do it again. It's like another year of this shit. It was just so discouraging. It was so upsetting. It was so upsetting. It was so upsetting. Because I'm like, oh, oh, it would be so great to just, but you can't, you just can't, no matter what you do with these things, a writer told me, and I like this advice, no matter what you do, you have to finish that shit. You can't just leave it, leave it out there. You got to finish it. And it's nice, you know, it's, you don't have, you can cruise on multiple things, you can write jokes, and then you go back to that thing, and da 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 and then the jokes come, you can go back and forth, but, uh, it is just, it's just, it's just a tragedy, it's just a tra- I was just hoping, I was hoping that it could be, that it would be done, I was hoping or close to done. But it's so far from being close to done. And it's just, you know. I mean, it was a good thing to do during the pandemic. And the practice spawned a lot of other positive things. Like the painting and, you know, the podcast and the good, you know. But this is just a, it is, this is a, this is labor. It is labor. I don't know why I love writing so much, but I just do. It's the most puzzling thing. Like, I, you know, I'll write anything. I like doing legal writing. Just I just, like, zen out in the words of writing these motions to the court. Like a Japanese Buddhist monk tending his garden. So, you know, I guess keep pushing. I think the plan is you take a break. You take a break, David. You take a break. You put the book down. You work on the jokes. Write jokes. Write jokes. Because that's fun. Writing jokes are fun. Doesn't feel like you're ripping ripping your soul apart. Writing, Writing prose or anything for some reason is just so wholly unnatural. It's like you're just grinding yourself 
you're just grinding yourself to pieces and smearing it all over the page. So, but what else? There's nothing else to do. I can't, this, this is what I'm doing. I'm pushing forward. I'm fighting. I'm fighting through the fear of being successful. I want to be successful. I have to be open to success. I have to be open to it. I can't go to law school again. You can't do that move twice. So this is this is the path. This is the path I'm on. But it's all a great it's all a great mystery. Life is all a great mystery. So that's the deal. Things are going good with my cat, Moisha. He's doing he's doing well. He's a happy, healthy boy. And I love him very much. Though the love love for me, it goes in waves. Like there'll be weeks where I'm just in so much love with him, and then there's other weeks where I'm like, Yeah, that's him, whatever. Like I love him, but I'm not overcome by the feeling of the love. I'm not overcome by it. And I think that's natural. I think that's a long-term relationship. Him and I are in a long-term relationship. And yes, the the summer comes on. The summer continues. The summer continues. We continue to push forward. I started working on big canvases for the first time. And, uh, like usually I work on 16 by 20, but now I've started working on um, large gigantic canvases like 30 by 40. It's a totally different experience. It's a totally different experience. You're on there and it's just it's the whole thing's changed. It's it opens this whole world. This whole world of painting is just opening it up and it 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 lets you it lets it, it lets um, the pictures breathe in a different way because there's more space. Obviously, this would be true, but to experience it, it's it's quite fun. Once you go big, you know you can't go back. Once you go big, you can't go back. So that's really exciting. That's really exciting. Making big, big paintings. Who buys big paintings? I see. I don't even. I'm not even in connected to that world. I'd like to be. I'd like to meet people with mansions who want big paintings. People with mansions who want big paintings. Let me know how to contact you. Do I need to go to a gallery? Do I need a gallery open? Do I? How do I get this going? I want to sell paintings to to people who own mansions. Big paintings for these people. Or galleries who want them. Or someone. Take the big paintings. My uh, my friend Jack Ross told me at the end of podcast to not critique myself. To just, just be like you're doing your best. And don't say whether it's a good podcast or a bad podcast. So as this podcast is coming to a close. I've made it to 20 minutes. I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to thank you for listening. And I'm going to say goodbye. It was a it was a pleasure it was a pleasure doing business with you. It was a real pleasure doing business with you. 
So I will say goodbye.